This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to The Informer. It is the 22nd of October 2020 and I'm your host Stephen Otani. On tonight's program... Our name is our identity, and sometimes members of the trans community feel most comfortable going by their chosen name. RMIT has now allowed trans students to go by their chosen name instead of the name and gender assigned on birth, death and marriages. With the upcoming local election, communities have been inundated with a lot more free time because of lockdown. A member of the Brunswick community, Madeline, has been thinking outside the box with suggestions for new council initiatives, but also providing some comical relief with her pamphlet that appeared to look like voting information. Beau Driscoll speaks to Madeline about providing the local community with a few laughs thanks to her pamphlets. You're listening to a Joy podcast. To check out more podcasts from Joy 94.9, head to joy.org.au. This is Bo Driscoll reporting for The Informer on Joy 94.9 and the Community Radio Network. Every day we are addressed by our names and we even address ourselves by our names. For example, I just introduced myself and by using my name at the start, that's how you know who you're listening to. When someone mispronounces a name though, when they're addressing us, it may not be our name, so that can affect someone, whether it's about the gender that was assigned at birth and name because it could be different and doesn't align to who they are now. People who usually have this issue are folk from the trans and gender diverse community who find themselves advising people of their chosen name, which usually represents their gender identity and allows them to live their authentic selves. One thing that can make this hard is if you haven't been able to change these particulars due to a number of reasons with birth, deaths and marriages. An individual who has been impacted by just wanting to be identified without any issues and not having to out herself as being assigned a different gender at birth is University of Melbourne student Lauren Mendes. We spoke with Lauren about her experience. I had a chosen name, but I hadn't started transitioning yet because I come from a family that didn't really support that. So it took me a bit to actually get into properly transitioning. Um, So I didn't actually uh, put my chosen name into the university for about six months. Sometimes for folk from this community, it can be easier to have strangers or people you may not know so well address you as your chosen name as they have not known you as any other name that you were given at birth. And this seems to be the The university itself. um, So it is, um, it's not my legal name yet. I'm currently in the process of changing it, everything there. Um, So it was just in the words of the university preferred name. I hate the terminology of preferred name, um, but that's the way it is in most administrative um, uh, things. Um, So look, I'm going to be quite honest, it was not, Great. Um, I had to go into um, the administrative building of the university. Um, I had to fill out a form. I had to wait for um, a certain person to be free, which took, oh, easy 45 minutes um, just waiting um, where I could have been studying or anything else. Um, I just had to sit there waiting for um, her to be ready. I had to fill out the form and then she, you know, did a whole discussion around why I couldn't change my legal name and everything like that until I... um, 
until I fully changed my legal name. And I, I knew all this um, anyway. You know, it's pretty obvious if my legal name is still my dead name, I can't change it at the university properly. But she kind of made it pretty intense, um, uh, the, the way that it was um, just said to me um, and explained to me, you know, you can't change like your name properly yet, only have it as a preferred name at, at uni. Um, and since then, it's... I, I've, to be honest, it's still not great. Um, you know, the university's um, great normally with everything, but um, the way that it works on, say, um, my, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, attendance roles and everything, is that it will say my dead name, then in brackets my preferred name. I, again, I use preferred in quotation marks because I still hate the terminology. Um, and then my, my last name. And it means that in a lot of um, first-time classes, like uh, first time of the semester or anything, I'll introduce myself in you know, the classic icebreaker thing and the teacher will go, sorry, who are you? Because they, they just don't look at the, um, at the name in the brackets, they're just looking at the, at the first name. And so I often have to out myself in classes at the very, very start in the first um, you know, tutorial or anything just because the teachers just don't know to look there because for some reason my dead name has to show up on this, on this stupid role. Um, uh, and then it's kind of also in um, assignments and everything. I still have to put my dead name on every single assignment that I submit, um, even though my cho- chosen name at the university is Lauren, I still have to put my dead name because otherwise they may not be able to find me, which I find so strange because surely it can't be that hard just to allow me to go by my chosen name and just have my legal name there for legal reasons. It seems something so little could make a large impact on students and the university. And it does not appear to just be trans and gender diverse students who are affected by this. I have had experience with this um, like new process of um, you know, it being easy. And every single time it happens, I get more and more ashamed of the way that my university approaches it. I've applied for jobs recently, even in the police department and they have allowed me to have my chosen name and they just refer to me by that in all emails and everything like that. And yet my progressive university still refers to me by my dead name in all emails. My email is still under the name. Every email it's sent to me is by my dead name, despite um, you know, other organisations, ones that aren't, prog- aren't traditionally progressive at all, being easy and simply able to just go by my chosen name. I, I, I'm honestly astounded that the university um, doesn't keep up with this and especially we've got a large percentage of international students that have a cough cough white name um, and a lot of them go by that name in classes and yet they would have the same issue yeah it's not a trans issue but surely they there needs to be something in place that makes this easier however there is a university in Melbourne who is paving the way for students who have chosen names that they wish to be known by whilst they attend their studies at such institutions. RMIT University has been forward thinking and allowing students to request to change their name as it appears on the institutional's digital and directory services, including computer sign-ons, student email IDs, all Microsoft Office and Google Suite programs, and the Canvas Learning management system. RMIT's diversity and inclusion advisor, Riley Edwards, spoke with the informer. So uh, inclusion is a key 
organizational value at RMIT and I've personally felt that since day one um, and I'm very open about the fact that you know I changed my name and my pronouns while I was working at the university and I've always felt supported by my team and the ally network and I think that that really comes across in the work that we do so commitment um, to inclusion being an organizational value it's um, it's outlined in our diversity and inclusion framework and our action plan and so it's just really to ensure that all students regardless of um, how they identify um, have a positive experience at RMIT. As easy of a task it seems to be it was not something that they were able to do overnight. Excellent. And how did the university go about this? Is this hard work or something that was quite easy to implement? I definitely wouldn't say it's easy in that, you know, I I know that it's an ongoing um, challenge for a lot of universities in Australia and Victoria for sure. Um, You know, ideally we find ourselves in a place where trans and gender diverse students don't require additional support, you know, that they're sort of... um, feel accepted and welcomed and um, we don't have to have these extra provisions because they're naturally included. But I guess the reality is that society is inherently cis-sexist and so tackling these issues um, is arises from that. So working with a system that wasn't set up to support trans and gender diverse folk um, means that we have to provide workarounds and provisions to support them to ensure that they can have um, a positive experience. But the hard work has not gone unnoticed by the students. It's been really positive. I've had um, students personally email us and saying this is, you know, a really positive step. I know that we still have a lot of work to do and um, but in the, the, the years that I've worked in this role at RMIT, we've come such a long way. Um, you know, we've, we've got a lot of other support that we provide our trans and gender diverse students specifically, but just knowing that considering we're um, delivering programs online as well now, the fact that they can be addressed um, with, by the correct name and pronouns with their student email is a huge step for us. The only downside is that the chosen name will not be reflected on the transcript or achievement certificate. It won't be reflected in um, like transcripts and testimonies because those are in, in a way sort of legally binding documents. So unless they change their name legally, that will, well, won't reflect their chosen name. Um, but we do provide um, financial support for students to change their legal name as well and then personalised case management support which I provide for students if they want to take steps to affirm their gender. Um, yeah, so it, 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 where it's legal, there's, it's a little bit tricky but um, in as many places as possible we're sort of yeah pushing for that change. I think we really listen to the students and what their needs are and that includes working with um, Bruce Queer, which is our student body um, and listening to their allies within our network so the staff who have that sort of first-hand experience working with those students um, and teaching them and then we develop the resources and and programs in response to that so you know early this year we celebrated trans awareness uh, sorry trans day visibility and we developed a trans ally guide and sort of uh, we got a a new lanyard with the trans flag so people could sort of visibly show their support we also have a number of other resources online we have a dedicated website for our trans and gender diverse students so I think being really proud and loud in our um, allyship for the trans community is is really effective. Maybe this could be something that other universities could do to ensure their students are seen, acknowledged and supported. It, it really hurts, admittedly, because I don't 
connect to that part of my old identity or whatever anymore at all. This is Bo Driscoll reporting for The Informer on Joy 94.9 and the Australian Community Radio Network. You're listening to a Joy podcast. To check out more podcasts from Joy 94.9, head to joy.org.au. This next report will be talking about mental health. In Victoria, mainly Melbourne, people have been affected majorly by COVID-19 for many reasons, which has impacted people and their mental health. During times like these, as much as it can separate people, sometimes it can bring people to think outside of the box and how they can bring their spirits up as well as others. A member of the Brunswick community, Madeline, has gone above and beyond during this time of COVID and the local council election. She provided some comic relief by circulating a pamphlet by mail. The pamphlet, which appeared to look like voting information material on someone who was running for a local council, appeared to be much more than that. Well, me and my partner, Danny, we're, we're not working at the moment. We're getting all these pamphlets in the post for the council election. And I was like, who are all these people? What? There's so many of them. And what are their ideas? Like, because we have nothing else going on. That was the most exciting thing that was happening. And we're reading what they want for the community. And one of them mentioned um, they wanted to turn Pentridge into a museum. And we were like, okay, that's up our alley, okay. And then we, we came up with Pentridge 2000 animatronic spectacular. And it just went from there. We're sitting at the kitchen table. We're like, oh, you can have the beach. I've wanted the beach for ages, this and that. And then it was like, let's actually make this pamphlet. Let's do it. We've got nothing on. It'll be great. I'm sure other people in the neighbourhood, if we're sitting here sniggering like Beavis and Butthead over these ideas, I reckon some other kids in the neighbourhood, they might get it, they might have a little laugh. As mentioned, Madeline and her partner started thinking of ideas and what they could bring to the community that would make it appealing. The ideas they brainstormed was the Brunswick Beach by converting the Woolworths car park into the beach, turning Pentridge Prison into Pentridge 2000 animatronics spectacular, make every number 19 tram a restaurant tram, a celebrity wax museum, and make the big percolator at George's Gourmet Coffee even bigger, and even install a chairlift for Lobs Hill. We were having a laugh, and yeah, I guess I've lived in the community for like 12 years now, and I love this community. That's why I love Brunswick. I love the peeps. Good vibes, you know. I've been working at the supermarket here for 10 years, so I was like, wait a minute, I've got this. I've got a little bit of a profile in the area, you know. A few people know me, so I thought I think they'll see my face and they'll like the ideas. They'll, well, they'll see the ideas. They might not like them, but they might go, "I know that person," and they'll have more of a connection to the the ideas and and me and and in that context of the council election, that was the thing that I was like, "We've got to do it." Turns out, council elections only every four years. Now's the time to do the pamphlet if you're going to do the pamphlet, you know. But I just, I figured, yeah, we've got a lot of friends in the area. I know a lot of people. So I was like, oh, you know, a few of my friends can, can see this and acquaintances. And I just think, yeah, anyone who lives in the area recognises a few of these locations and goes, oh, that'd be pretty good. Oh, it's amazing. We've got a printing place. 
just over the road, like really close to us on Sydney Road that was functioning. Amazing. And they were able to do it in a couple of days. Live in the area and, you know, all we're doing at the moment is going on walks. That's what we do. You walk around. And so we are like, we can just deliver them on our, on our walks, on our mandated two-hour walks. So, yeah, we just wandered the local streets. And I went, I want to put some here. I want to put some further down near Lobs Hill. I want some near where the beach will be. Um, I want some near the percolator. Yeah, so just targeting those those local community members who will be the most affected by these drastic changes. People can be on edge because they haven't been able to live the life they were pre-COVID. The Black Dog Institute reported that common consequences of disease outbreaks include anxiety and panic, depression, anger, confusion and uncertainty, and financial stress. With estimates of between 25 to 33% of the community experiencing high levels of worry and anxiety during similar pandemics. People with pre-existing anxiety disorders, existing health anxiety and other mental health disorders are at risk of experiencing higher anxiety levels during the COVID-19 outbreak and may require more support or access to mental health treatment during this period. This means we will likely see higher rates of accessing mental health treatments and supports, although given concerns about attending in person, many may be looking to get support in different ways. We spoke with Dr. Natalie Davison, aka Dr. Nat, from your local psychologist about mental health during this time. It's had a, a funny effect, isn't it? And I guess that's like any major thing that occurs, you know. It, sometimes it brings out the best in people, sometimes it brings out the worst in people. Um, but sometimes people really go into that space of being fearful. So we have we have seen that at times too. Um, and certainly we've seen a rise, you know, of mental health issues in the community. Um, since COVID-19 and I think particularly in Melbourne. With mental health services seeing an incline in people needing assistance and some places having to turn people away, advising them that they cannot take on any new patients, can we do anything to help one another? What we're seeing is services like helplines and support lines, you know, have a doubling, doubling of calls. Our mental health and psychology services are being inundated with referrals. Um, and some of that is because, you know, we've got people who have already had or have mental health issues um, and the severity's increased for them. And then we've got some people who have never had mental health issues before but yeah. are showing some signs and symptoms. So random acts of kindness. I yeah. think that's a really good way for us to go. And some of the reasons for that are, um, well, first of all, when you do something good for someone, you'll release really you'll release those feel-good chemicals, so like serotonin in your brain. So you're going to feel good. When we do good things, like random acts of kindness, it really makes a difference um, to how we experience the world because our brain actually is wanting to know, what do I need to pay attention to here? So when we pay attention to all the bad and the negative that's going on, what it does is it thinks that you want more of that. So actually it's, it's looking for... Um, if you give it something good to focus on, it says, oh, so focusing on good things is really important, so I should do more of that. And so then you get more good. 
So my message would be to make sure that we're continuing to focus on, you know, some of the good things that are going on around it. So helping someone else or just being there for them can really pay off. And the government is helping with increasing sessions to see a mental health professional to 20 visits. But what is this doing to the professionals and the practices that need to be there to help people for their mental health? Well, it's been amazing that we've got this increase to 20 sessions per year for people for the next couple of years. What's happening, though, is that people then who are already in treatment are staying longer, which is amazing for them because they get more sessions and they get you know the full realm of treatment that can really help people um but what it's meaning is it's pushing out all the wait times for other people so it's just meaning that people are waiting in fact months and months at the moment to try and get in to see someone um for treatment so if we have people like madeline in the community making a change maybe we could have someone in charge thinking the same way If anything you have heard tonight has affected you or anyone else in any way, please reach out by contacting Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636 or QLife on 1800 184 527. This is Bo Driscoll reporting for The Informer on Joy 94.9 and the Australian Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more podcasts or to support Joy by becoming a member, donating or subscribing, head to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.